Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Your titi would be proud of you. Turkish delight. Irresistible. Wakanda forever, and welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and in this week's episode, titled The Whole World is Watching, we see Sam, Bucky, and Zemo finally confront Carly Morgenthau. We get to witness John getting his ass handed to him by the Dora Milaje, and we see who the new Captain America becomes when he's given all the power he craves. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but like it's... Guys, it's way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, uh, be sure to do that and then uh, come right back in a snap. Now, before we all get killed by our childhood heroes, let me introduce you to our group of revolutionaries, depending on whose side you're on. First up, he's jacked. He's juiced. And he's pretty jumpy. Oh, and his jurisdiction is wherever he finds himself to be. We've got Secret Agent Justin. Conda forever, brother. There you go. Uh, And joining us once again in a surprise cameo, he's masterful, marvelous, modest, yet mysterious. Please join me in welcoming back to the podcast the Madriporian muscle himself, Mr. Monroe Chambers. (laughs) Looking strong, John. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite, not quite. Oh my gosh. Welcome back to the show, Monroe. We're happy to have you back. Thank you so much for having me, fellas. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm excited to get your thoughts on on this show. For those who don't know, Monroe's been able to join us for a few watch clubs in the past, I think. At least one, maybe two. two. Yeah, I'm, Mandalorian, I'm sure, yeah. Mandalorian yeah. season two. And uh, were you the finale or were you the second second last for WandaVision? I was second. Yeah, second was last. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, were the, the you were the one series. when we were, yeah, the penultimate episode. Yeah, so that was a good one to chat with you about because we, t- we really dived in hard on all of the like all the Easter eggs that were planted in and that. got nothing right. No. We predicted nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah Nate Mephisto sure. the heck out of that thing. So <laughs> yeah, we did. very cool. Well, guys, before we get into the plot and uh, slam our shields through our thoughts on what happened in this week's episode, um, let's start with a brief overview of your high level thoughts on the episode, uh, Monroe. As our guest, we'll start with you and. Because you're joining us for the first time on this Watch Club, can you give us your overall thoughts on the series so far, as well as your thoughts on this episode? For this series, I didn't know, really know what to expect. I thought um, I thought the intro was a little slower for me. I didn't I didn't jump right in like I did with WandaVision. Um, I felt like the first couple episodes, it's like it's something I've seen before. You know, it's a lot of fast cars and action. Um, things yeah. we've already seen, but this episode is exactly what I've been waiting for nice. leading up. And it's, for me, it's the bridge episode and I can't wait to discuss what that means to me and what I think it means for this series. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Justin. Yeah. I feel like, um, this, this really, this, this series as a whole, you know, leading into this episode really has felt 
so alternative from WandaVision, even just in terms of like the week to week experience, like being left with such questions and mysteries and and just itching for the next episode. And and to, to, to Monroe's point, this this plays so much more traditionally and, you know, having coming off of WandaVision kind of maybe not necessarily instinctively anticipating something similar with this series. It, it, this show definitely does stand out as being alternatively different from what the WandaVision experience was. But that said, with this episode, given that ending, uh, this was what I was waiting for. Uh, there's just, again, I think we discussed last episode, Nate, there was just some plot or narrative elements that I think I feel like I've missed that built up to this these moments. And, and now it just sheds a little bit more light of what was so bizarre in other episodes and, and maybe where they were trying to go. So a little muddled as always. But yeah, it, it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this episode, to your point, was way better than last week's episode because it addresses... Yeah. A ton of the the issues that I had with, you know, last week we talked about character balance and um, the plot moving forward because of just dumb reason. Like, oh, he's we found him. Let's go. Like very, very thin reasons. And so while this episode certainly takes its time in, in getting going, um, it does so in a way that still keeps me really engaged. And I think it's really smart the way that they did it. Um, and I, I really enjoyed where it where it left us with that final moment, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to dig deep into. We're going to we're going to bury our shields deep into uh, into that moment. Um, but first, guys, um, let's just let's just start at the top. We're going to start at the top of the plot. So, uh, guys, the episode starts by bringing us back to Wakanda six years in the past, uh, where we see Bucky and Ao sitting by a fire as Ao tests Bucky to see if he is truly free of the Winter Soldier. She walks around the fire as she says the words used to activate the Winter Soldier. We see Bucky experience flashbacks to some of the most terrible moments uh, he ever experienced in his past. And after having passed the trial, Bucky begins to cry tears of joy as Ao says to him, you are free. This then cuts immediately to where we uh, left Bucky and Ao last in last week's episode. Uh, and Ao says, you know, how could you free him? Right. And I just think that was kind of a cool cut there. Um, re- you know, it reminded Bucky how, you know, she or sorry, she reminded Bucky how Zemo murdered King T'Chaka. And she's obviously really upset by that, given the fact that she was responsible for, you know, she feels responsible for his death. Um, Bucky in Wakandan explains that Zemo is just a means to an end. And uh, Ao gives Bucky eight hours until they come for Zemo. Uh, and then she walks away and we get our title card. So guys, what did you what did you think of the way this episode opens up and were you expecting to actually get to visit uh, Wakanda in this show? Monroe, we'll start with you. I didn't think we'd ever be a fly on the wall of those moments. I was so looking forward to that at some point and I never thought yeah. we'd ever get it. I thought yeah. maybe if there was a white wolf story, we'd get little glimpses, but I really I thought I thought it was beautifully executed emotionally, just performance wise. Because you have oh Ao, um, Ao's stoic brilliance, and then with the raw vulnerability and emotion that comes um, with Bucky. And I just I really glad that we got to see a little bit of it. And I, I like yeah. that we're seeing a little bit of the relationship there. And you know I think it's been talked about before, but you know the fact that Wakanda has entered this series, I I think it's a perfect lead up to what's hopefully the films are going to come next. But I like that they're intermingling them. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Yeah. It was, it was so cool to see 
to actually get to see Wakanda, given that it, even though it was just a forest campfire. But like, I appreciate how you know we talk about how these shows are really responsible for helping us to. Um, get more credibility for these characters and get to see them fleshed out more. And I think even for Ao and Bucky's relationship in that moment, what an amazing way to sort of fast track our understanding of where they are in their relationship and how well they know each other. Um, and I just thought it was so cool to just kind of to see how they, how her and, and Shuri, they were the ones who actually were able to help him get rid of the Winter Soldier. And again, Sebastian Stan is killing it in this show. Like, Honestly, and like this is crazy to say because of just how amazing the performances were in WandaVision. I think that he's he's just he, in the entirety of the MCU, he's giving one of the most phenomenal performances I've seen and especially in this scene. Justin, what were, what did you think? Yeah, I I totally agree, Nate. I think uh uh Sebastian Stan is is killing it uh in this moment. To your point, it fast tracks it it establishes why she's there, the relationship yeah. that they have. Um, and, and it was such a, you know, as, as Monroe put it, a fly on the wall moment. And it's, it's, it's just great that we got to see that and as, as small as it was, but as, as impactful as it was to Bucky's character to come to that realization, to know that he's going to be living with these memories, but you know, the words don't, don't have that causality as, as they once did on him. Um, so yeah, I think it was, I think it was a, it was, it was cool. I don't really think we saw Wakanda, but to your point, like this is part of the MCU, um, and everything needs to somehow be threaded together. So to take us to Wakanda or to incorporate Wakanda into this narrative, um, I think that that just goes to show their, their sort of play with understanding what is really on the table for them to actually incorporate in their, in their other narratives as they branch off. But the one thing I just want to comment on, because I've, I've seen some people comment on it and I've, I I remember, I think we were talking or or you were all talking about in the previous episodes, just about Sebastian Stan and how Bucky was a character that wasn't really relatable. wasn't really dynamic. It was kind of like steady flat. And I just want to make a note for myself personally, how I viewed his work. So it is very, very hard and underrated and overseen to be still and impactful and dynamic and hold weight. So the Mm. fact that he had a character that was so still and the, 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 the courage and the, the bravery he had to be so still, but still have impact and have that weight. Don't discredit that piece of work. Like, I understand that it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's not as dynamic and it's kind of plain Jane, but it's so hard to do that and hold the weight that he did in previous, in previous films. I honestly think though, the the reason why that happens is Sebastian Stan is a fantastic actor, but yeah, in the past movies, they have not leveraged Bucky's character. They have not done very much with his character after him being the Winter Soldier. This is the most developed that we get to see Bucky and in the process get to see how much of a rich actor Sebastian Stan is to give such depth to the character that really didn't do anything for much of the for much of the movies and other just served the point of being Bucky Barnes. That was it. That was all his character was. This show and and what he's doing with it, really, he's elevating the character to be something more that matters. I think that's a big part of the writing. I I guess the character felt flat because of the writing. But I think, to your point, Monroe, Sebastian Stan's performance, I mean, has always really, really been at that top-notch level. And it's one of those things where, like, I went back and rewatched... Uh, some of his scenes as the Winter Soldier, uh, just in prepping for talking about this episode, and just absolutely like he's 
you see him trapped. Like you see in his eyes that he's trapped and that he's he's being forced to do this. It's just so fantastic. Um, okay, guys, back to the plot. So, <clears throat> guys, then Bucky just, like, walks back. He returns to Sam and Zemo, explaining that the Wakandans are here uh, and that they want uh, they want Zemo, but he bought them some more time. So, Bucky informs Sam that Carly, then uh, she bombed a GRC supply depot, and Zemo says she's getting worse and asks Sam and Bucky if they have the will to complete this mission, claiming that Carly is a supremacist, stating that the very concept of a super soldier is what led to Nazis, to Ultron, to the Avengers. Sam requests that they seek out a peaceful resolve, and Zemo claims that Carly will not stop until you kill her or she kills you. Sam suggests that maybe the Flag Smashers are mourning the passing of Danya Madani by celebrating her life just as he mourned the passing of his Titi uh, when he was a kid, uh, and that maybe he can have a calm conversation with Carly at Danya Madani's funeral service. Zemo passes Sam some Turkish delight, telling him his Titi would be proud of him. Uh, then the show counters the scene by showing Carly and her crew reacting to the news update, the same news update, um, that after the GRC supply update, sorry, after the GRC supply depot bombing, uh, that the GRC has now started to fund a new legislation known as the Patch Act, which would seek to restore traditional border regulations and actually fast track the return to normalcy. However, it also calls out the fact that the flag smashers are now seen as more of a sympathetic group. There's more people that are joining their cause uh, in, in seeing this news. So, guys, you can, you can clearly see the difference in the approach that these two groups have in achieving their, their different goals. But seeing the similarities between Zemo and Carly, I want to know, guys, do you think she'll end up evil and alone? Or is she destined to maybe actually become some type of anti-hero or, or some sort of martyr? Jeez. That's a loaded question. <laughs> that's a loaded question. I know. I know. I, I know. Especially I honestly, given like, the themes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's, I, that's a, there's a lot to just yeah to to break down from that. But like I, I think that to your point, there's there's a lot more of a political sort of background to this whole to this whole situation as we've discussed, which gives gives yeah. the 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 half life disappearing and reappearing you know more actual weight as and in in grounding it in in a sense of reality. Um, but speaking of like just Carly and you know Zemo, like there's definitely a correlation between their characters, and as we go with Carly, we we, we kind of understand her motives. But I think Kevin said it in one of our other podcasts, one of our other Watch Club episodes, where he was like, maybe it's just the way she's going about it, and and that this isn't a black and white villain. This is a very gray villain. It, it does seem like what they're trying to do is paint this picture of who's good, who's bad. Right. And, and we we talked we talked last week about the idea of Carly maybe going too far and a character like Dovich, who we saw kind of as her moral compass in the last episode. And again, a little bit in this episode as well, sort of, um, or I guess that's more portrayed by Nico. Um, but but we, we kind of see that her entire team is really not, on her side we actually see that moment in this moment when she, when they're all getting the news and they're kind of all looking at each other and there's that specific call out to the fact that there was a dad uh who was new on the job and he he was killed and he had two kids and and just you see them look at each other like we did this like no it, it, carly did this and carly kind of w stands up and walks away from the rest of the group so a lot a big part of me thinks that she's gonna lose the flag smashers you know what i mean like i think she's really gonna lose um, like they're 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 gonna. I don't think they're gonna follow her all the way to the end. I don't know. I agree with you that 
I don't know which way she's going to go, but I know that they're doubting her position and they're mm-hmm. doubting the root of her cause. And I think there's a huge statement in the series that we're seeing based on power. Mm-hmm. And I love mm, that yes, they've mentioned yeah. some superpowers in the world of today and of the the uh, superpowers in the Marvel universe, but they also are amplifying Marvel's home base, which is America, and what power can do to people. Right, right. There's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I like that they're, throwing this power complex in there in the conversation That's of very when true. people have this what really really happens yeah. and we see it later when we talk about it you know there's there's so many great um lines in the script that amplify that and yeah. that put your finger on it but i think she again we talk about it more because i don't want to talk about it too much right now right. but i no, think we'll that she yeah. she is she is very purposeful, mm-hmm. and I think she has a warmth to her, at least from the performance side, that it leads me to believe that it's it is for good. I I don't see it going the other way right now. I, I honestly am I'm digging this this idea that the the theme is power throughout this entire series is that everyone is in an approach to for some sort of power. You know, it's really interesting because you could connect that to every single character we've already seen, even to someone like Sharon Carter, all the way to like, obviously someone like with Power Broker and his, his name being power, right? Like, it's just, you know, what he stands for and what, what his, what he symbolizes it more or less. Um, So I think that's really interesting. I, I think that's, I think you've, you've established what the overarching theme through this, this series I think is about it. And it is, it is about power, like what that looks like. Well, you even see it in uh, episode um, two, I think it was. Was episode two or episode three where they were stopped by the cops? Uh, That would be episode two. Episode two. So there's two different power complexes going on there. There's power of authority and then there's power of fame and celebrity and talking about signing things and like and the way that somebody can take fame and take celebrity and use it as power. And you see how multiple different people use it and then you see it in the club situation you see it it's wonderful it's 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 a great conversation it's really interesting it's got me now like kind of really thinking about the show differently so thank you (laughs) yeah yeah, it's it's fun but it, it spurs this conversation yeah that's the whole point of the show Getting back to the plot, guys, Sam, Bucky, and Zemo, uh, they investigate the GRC refugee shelter uh, where the Flag Smashers have had their sort of base camp. And Sam heads upstairs. And as he's talking to the locals there, um, you know, if they know Donya Madani, uh, all of them kind of ignore him and just hide and and say, we don't know, we don't know. Uh, He interacts with a teacher uh, as he claims, you know, he knows, or sorry, the teacher claims that he knows Sam, but he can't trust him. And then again, he, he hides. Uh, then we see Zemo <laughs> walking towards these kids very creepily singing Ba Ba Black Sheep. Um, and he, he, he gives the kids a bag of, of Turkish delight. Um, he tricks one of the kids into telling him where Danya Madani's funeral will be held. Uh, and after she tells him, he asks her to keep it a secret, saying that those two men over there, Sam and Bucky, that he's referring to, uh, are bad men. Uh, then Sam, Bucky, and Zemo return to Zemo's hideout, where Zemo informs them that the little girl told him that the funeral is that afternoon. Uh, but to keep his leverage, he decides to keep the location of the funeral a secret. After Bucky throws his cherry blossom tea into the wall and threatens Zemo and Sam, uh, sorry, threatens Zemo, Sam asks him to to sort of back down, claiming that he'll just extort you uh, and do that stupid head tilt thing, which I thought was amazing because then he untilts his head. It was 
Fantastic. Um, Sam then makes a call to Karen to Sharon Carter uh, and asks her for one more favor to keep eyes on the situation. She tells him that uh, she might have a few satellites and she'll see what she can do. She mentions she mentions that the power broker is really upset about the loss of Dr. Nagel. And she ends up uh, she sorry. She ends the call by saying, don't apologize. Just find Carly. So, guys. What did you think of Zemo's um, creepy singing skills? And uh, what did you think of this conversation uh, between Sam and Sharon? Uh, and if there's maybe any more suspicions that we might have now that, you know, in terms of her involvement in all of this. Uh, Monroe, we'll start with yourself. So I just want to start at the very beginning of the because I, I have things yeah. to say about Sharon because I Sharon, <laughs> Sharon, Sharon, but I'll we'll get, get Sharon. I'll get to Sharon. <laughs> but I want to start with Zemo right now. That is my favorite scene so far of the series. Really? 100%. That was so well done. And the tone with the music. And then when he brings it over and he dumps the candies onto the table, the way he holds it, I got such Christopher Nolan vibes. And that was the first instinct for me, like, like very prestige where like you can feel the wood and feel how it's like late, like when he lays them down there, I thought it was such a cool scene, even though it was creepy. I thought it set a tone and that was the first tipping point for me then you see it later on in the in this episode of where this series is going and i i think you see of the reality the weight of reality in a fantastical world in marvel where christopher nolan did that with batman yeah yeah it felt very that was very joker feeling right even the way they shot it from the back it felt very much like the like ha, 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 you know like that slow but instead he's he's singing nursery rhymes uh justin what did you what did you think of the uh the zemo scene the creepy zemo yeah the creepy zemo like <laughs> I, I feel like to monroe's point it's it it's just a reminder of how much of a real villain zemo is versus all the other super villains that we've had in the mcu and i think that that's you know like i was thinking about this the other day like before they had to deal with thanos the Avengers had yeah. to deal with Zemo. He was a man. He used his mind. He he used what he was, what was one of his biggest powers. That's a scary thing. Uh, the scene is just a reminder of that, you know, of how how much of a a, a human he is, and he knows how to play yeah. off of other humans, even if they are children. You know, singing a yeah. a lullaby or rhyme, and and you know, almost as a way of luring them towards him like it was very you know and he has a bag of candy and it's just it, it is very stranger but you, danger but you get that you get that moment right where yes he's creepy but then you then he talks about his son he's like you know it was my son's favorite and and i'm just like like you you, you again it's that sort of contrast that sort of look at the whole fact that like that guy's super creepy but he's also got a son that he probably loved that that is no longer with him the one thing about daniel Brohl's character Number one, he's phenomenal. I've, oh, he's like, so good. He is, I'm such a fan and inspired by him. But the one thing that Zemo has is, again, if we're talking about power again, every great villain usually roots from the destruction or trying to obtain power. And he has a mixture of both. It's wonderful because it's coming from a place of love. There's only love and hate in this world. Or love and mm. fear, sorry. And so mm-hmm. his his fear came from the like loss of love. It's just a very complex character, and you're seeing more of Zemo now. And I think it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah, even though the you know the fist pump in the in the club and the, stuff. Even though I love that, that I love that. That, that gift is fantastic. Yeah. But anyway, I thought I thought Zemo. I thought that scene was great. But also Sharon. I don't trust Sharon. I don't. I don't yeah. trust her. Yeah, she's sketchy. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't, she's sketchy. I, 
Dodgy. I, I don't know if Dodgy. she's. I don't know if she's the power broker though anymore. But I, I think she knows who the power broker is, and and probably does work for the power broker. But I mean, I listen. I, I It's tough. Uh, we we said last week on the show that Sharon is probably working for or is the power broker, and I think this scene again to Monroe's point about how this whole episode sort of emphasizes the themes of power. This scene emphasizes Sharon's power. I mean, she's walking amongst a ton of armed thugs as if they're her own. Like none of them are like you know. Like, yeah, like she, they didn't give she, the impression they, to her. they didn't give it too much of a, a literal uh, uh, interpretation if if they were or if they were just you know part of a, a bigger team that she was leading kind of thing. Like I right. I don't know. Like they didn't really establish that she was in control of those people, but she obviously they they listened to her, right? So. But she's got, Justin, she's got access yep. to a couple of satellites yep. and the phrase, the power broker is always watching. You know, we see that all over the place. It's it's just, uh, even in the true. writing, even in the writing, Sam asking her to keep eyes on on John Walker and on the base camp. Like, it just really pushes this whole idea that I think she is the power broker. I think I think that would be phenomenal. Now, a colleague of mine, uh, shout out to to Matt from work. He's a friend from work. Uh, he he came up with the idea that maybe she's doing the whole double agent thing, right? She's still on the good side, but she's so deep rooted undercover in Madripoor that she is the power broker, but she's still a good character. I don't know. I I I just think it would be better if she was actually a real villain in the MCU because I just don't think we have enough fantastic female villains unfortunately or if we have they've gone away within the movie that they were introduced so getting getting her to potentially be like a bigger part of the mcu i think would be really cool i i feel like your your yeah. colleague's theory there would only work if she's a double agent would only work as if she's not the power broker but she worked for the power broker okay and then i could see yeah, that might work i better. could see that being totally it right like i could see yeah. that that being the case because she would do what's right for her country i i feel like she's she could be the double agent thing that, that's an interesting theory so yeah. bravo matt right <laughs> yeah. way to go matt he's probably he's listening to this being like yeah <laughs> but um yeah okay so Guys, let's get back to the plot here. Then we see Carly and Nico uh, at the gravestone for Nico's grandfather. And Nico mentions that when he was a little kid, he was a huge fan of Captain America. And Carly kind of uh, ribs him for it. And, you know, he encourages Carly to, to keep going with her plan, explaining that the world is more than just good or bad. Uh, and that the world needs a new Captain America, that the world is more complicated now and that people are lost and that they need a leader that looks more like them, who understands their pain and that today's heroes don't have the luxury of keeping their hands clean. Carly claims that the shield must be destroyed and that the serum is how they're going to make change. But first, they must pay their respects to Mama Danya. We then cut to see Sam, Bucky, and Zemo on their way to Mama Danya's uh, funeral service when they are accosted once again by John and Lamar, with John demanding explanations regarding Carly and why Zemo is no longer in jail. After John yelling at them, uh, you know, sorry. After John yelling at them, claiming his plan is to strike hard and fast, uh, and that it's way better than Sam taking, you know, talking to Carly and talking her down, uh, it takes Lamar to convince John that it might be a good idea to at least give Sam's plan a shot. Zemo interrupts them and points towards his informant, uh, and they follow her into the room just outside of the funeral. The moment Zemo mentions that Carly is in the next room. John slams Zemo against some pu some pipes and handcuffs him. Uh, so, guys, just before we continue past this point, 
Um, do you think Nico, in the previous scene there that I mentioned, gave Carly some good advice here, claiming that you know today's heroes no longer have the luxury of keeping their hands clean? I mean, we'll obviously get to a huge moment at the end of the episode that factors into this question, but seeing John and his sort of shoot first, ask questions later attitude, and then Sam sort of taking the high road, high road in this situation... But then in one episode throwing, you know, in episode one, he's throwing guys off helicopters. Do we think that the show is doing enough to truly represent today's heroes uh, in a consistent way? I think that there was valid advice in what Nico was saying. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, as we were, as you mentioned before, Nate, uh, Dovich kind of seemed like he might have been this character. But out of the blue, Nico is here offering this very, you know, introspective idea of, of what Captain America symbolizes, which we've seen as, as another layer of constant themes throughout these these episodes, even even to the point of when a uh, previous scene where Zemo was talking about uh, what led to the Nazis, what led to Ultron, what led to the Avengers is such an introspective moment to just kind of consider what he's saying. Right. And I think that that they, they kind of gave weight to Nico's moment. And I'm just like, who is this guy? Right. Like, who is yeah, he? Yeah, right? he comes so, out of nowhere. He comes out of nowhere. Right. And, you know, they're, yeah. they're doing this as as they're looking at the super soldier formula, you know, that that was stowed away in the stone. And, and it just it has this layer of of talking about how heroes are different or differently perceived now. Do you think that the world would really agree with with his sentiment there, right? That the, that they need a hero that isn't afraid to get his hands uh, dirty, can't keep their hands clean. We'll find out next episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess. Right, because yeah. we, we like that ending, so. I, I think there was a great statement in what he said about how everyone has their voice. I think in the world before, it was there were superheroes and there was villains and everyone in the middle who were just civilians. And now they're saying, no, no, we have a chance to actually make a difference here because we were the civilians. We were the ones who, you know, our buildings were getting smashed because they were fighting Ultron and the right. army. And it's like, no, we can make a difference now. We can we can affect our future and we can use our voice and our power. Yeah, I mean, and, and kind of just going to the, the part where... Um, you know, I was talking about the fact that, like, yeah, we see Sam killing people, throwing them off helicopters, helicopters exploding, and, and we're okay with it because they're not innocent, right? And I think that might be the difference that the show is trying to really hammer home is that, you know, we, Sam killing people that are considered, maybe in, in this instance, um, they're, they're carrying out acts of war, um, that that's okay. But Carly killing a bunch of people that, you know, yes, maybe there are some people who aren't innocent in that situation, but there are definitely some casualties involved. Um, and so I think maybe maybe that's that's where the show kind of is drawing that line. And you also see it. It has a lot to do with intention as well. Like you see John in this scene. Lamar literally says, um, you know, because he hears about the fact that this, it's going to be a, a funeral. And Lamar says there's going to be civilians. There's a high risk of casualties. And John literally says, all right, good. We'll move in fast and take her by surprise. All right, good is his response to the fact that there will be casualties. So, like, immediately, this is just the way that they're sort of setting setting that up so that we can see the echoes between Sam and Carly, which we're about to get to in this next moment. But just to see John's intentions in those moments and just completely ignoring that fact, like... Oh, the writing in the show is so good. Sorry. But I, I think, no, I think you're 100% right there with intention. Like, that yeah. word specifically in that theme of intention of doing good because mm. John believes he's doing the right thing. And so, and then you, we see it later when we discuss like when, when, you know, a couple 
lines of dialogue happen that we can discuss more. She believes her intentions are good. And then he yeah. just makes a statement there. It's like, it, it's all about your intention, but where's the root of it? Because the root of it, whether whatever emotion you're trying to, you know, obtain, that amplifies into what your purpose is. Right. Because it's either for like, that's what Steve Rogers was. And then, you know, that's later on, we'll talk about that. But it's interesting because his, his immediate goes like, no, I believe I'm doing the right thing. It's like, well, you're not because it's full of malice, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, resent and vengeance. Yeah. And and I think uh, jealousy is in there for sure. It has right? it has all these toxic uh, conco- like ingredients in the concoction for the greater good. Right. Because they're, cause they're yeah. toxic. They're not actually positive. He's using negativity. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm. It's an interesting, you know, yeah. Well, guys, next we we see the memorial service for Donnie Madani, where Carly gives a speech describing how she was alone until Mama Donya uh, came by and and clothed her, fed her, and loved her. Uh, During the speech, Carly sees Sam on the upper floor. She continues her speech, stating that the struggle is what brings them closer together, people who have nothing in common, that they are one world and one people. Back just outside the memorial service, we see John really struggling to keep composed as he impatiently waits for Sam to talk to Carly, attempting to enter the room when he is stopped by Bucky. He tells Bucky that his partner is inside that room and needs backup, and asks him if he really wants Sam's blood on his hands. Back inside, Sam reaches out to Carly, claiming that he agrees with her fight, he just doesn't agree with how she's fighting it. Then Sam, uh, then just as Sam is really making progress with Carly, John and Lamar stomp into the room, telling Carly she's under arrest. Uh, Carly, now feeling betrayed by Sam, makes a run for it, slamming, slamming both John and Sam back into a table. Bucky and Sam chase her, but she manages to escape them, running into a room where, she, where the serum is being kept in her fanny pack on a table. She is confronted by Zemo, who managed to escape his handcuffs, and he starts shooting at her. He shoots her in the side, causing her to seek cover as she knocks over the table. The vials of serum spread out all over the floor, and uh, Zemo, realizing what he's looking at, begins to crush all of them under his feet. Carly runs out of the room, and a moment later, John throws the shield, like Frisbee throws it, into Zemo's head, knocking him out cold. John looks down at the floor and sees... Uh, that all of the vials have been broken except for one, which he, is deci- which he decides to pick up and put in his pocket. We see Carly regroup with Dovich, who informs her that the power broker has sent her another threatening message. Uh, she then claims to have a plan for how they can separate Sam from the others and that they must kill Captain America. So guys, I know I, I kind of went for quite a while there. Um, but guys, here we see Zemo sort of immediately show his true, and I'm going to use the word again, intentions, uh, when he starts breaking all the vials under his feet. Carly seemingly could have stopped him. Uh, besides the fact that she was injured and Zemo had a gun, is, do you guys think there's a reason that she didn't try harder to stop him in that moment, given just how important she stated the vials to be in the previous scene? Like my thought to it is that did Sam get to her in some way that really made her kind of still question in that moment? Like, do I really need to save these vials? You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I think she's also injured, right? Like, I think that was the that was the thing. She was like, she's injured. She she she's probably in shock because she was actually shot. She might have not known that she could get shot. Could get shot, yeah. right? You know, like, yeah, yeah I, I think that um, you know seeing. Seeing Zemo uh, actually own up to what he was going to do, because I thought he was going to take the vials. 
You, did you think he was going to actually... Because I got the idea that he was going to actually start like down in it. Well, like I thought... Like, I thought, is he going to become a super soldier? Well, that's what I was wondering, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like yeah. he, he it, maybe he was going to do it. But, you know, to see him actually break all the vials, it was like, okay. Like, he's staying true to his character. Like, he's actually been yeah. very... Like, if you're thinking, could he... What's the intention for him? Is he wanting the vials? Does he, you know, does... What is what is his end game, if you will? Um it is to destroy these things. But seeing John pick it up was interesting. <laughs> Dude, seeing him pick it, like, I got mad vibes. When he tilts his head, I got mad Gollum in Lord of the Rings vibes. And Monroe, I know you're a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Do you think we're going to see John get sort of the, to the same level of crazy as a character like Gollum? Like, throughout the episode, we kind of see him twitching at certain points. Like, do you think we're going to get a chance to see John talk to Secret Agent? You know what I mean? As his alternate ego, in a way. I never thought of that way, to be honest. I, I thought he just did a really great job of making me not like him, to be honest. <laughs> yep, like, that's true. <clears throat> I know his work from before, and uh, he's always played a very charismatic person. And like he's, yeah. always, he's, he's never really played that character that's been this um, unlikable yeah. <laughs> and not unlikable for his performance. He's just he's doing a great job of me not liking him. He's, he's yeah. just nailing on the head. But I don't know. I never thought of him... I don't know this version of Captain America. I don't. I don't know John. It's John Walker, right? John Walker, yeah. I don't know this John Walker from the from the comics. So if he ends up going that that route, sweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I I think he's he's doing a pretty good job of getting unhinged. Um, yeah. And you can see him slowly. You know, there's there's major layers of PTSD. There's major layers of you know scars under the skin you don't see, but they're they're felt through his personality traits that have been warped. And you know, we we'll talk about it more when there's a specific uh, moment that I love. Um, no, it's I, it's interesting, but I I agree with you, Justin, 100 percent with Carly. Uh, why she didn't um, stop. Zima from creating yeah. the vials. She was just shot. I, th- I yeah. think she did. I didn't. I didn't think she knew she could draw blood. Yeah, because she's been so powerful. Yeah, and then yeah. The, it's it's like mm. someone who thinks they're tough, and then they get hit in the face, and then they realize, oh, that's what it feels like. Yeah, I don't think there's another motive there. Yeah, um, yeah. I think she was just stunned, and Zemo's, you know. He's got a gun. But to your point, Nate, like what you're saying, that that whole moment was really just to move the plot forward, right? It was to get the vial into his hand. It was to see Zemo, you know, actually, I think, at least for the most part, not be out for his own intention. He destroyed those vials, right? And if he had seen that last one, he probably would have destroyed it, right? Yeah, it's, again, all of the characters that we're talking about have literally killed people. All of them. (laughs) But it's all about the intentions. Yeah. Right. Um, So, guys, we get back to seeing Sam, Bucky and Zemo regroup at their hideout, Uh, seeing Zemo on the couch. He's kind of like nursing his his head uh, in like a a bathrobe, Um, asking Sam if he had been offered the serum, would he have taken it? And Sam confidently says with without any hesitation, he says no. Zemo once again exclaims that super soldiers cannot be allowed to exist. And Sam continues to counter his argument, asking him if that's how he feels about, you know, Bucky, stating that blood isn't always the solution. Bucky walks in uh, saying there's something off about Walker, telling Sam that he shouldn't have given him the shield. Sam says he didn't give him the shield. uh, And immediately John and Lamar bust through the door, uh, ordering them to turn over Zemo. 
Sam defends Zemo in that moment, uh, and John threatens Sam with a fight. He puts the shield down when, out of nowhere, a vibranium spear flies right at his head. Ayo and the two other uh, and two other Dora Milaje walk in and demand that time's up and that Zemo be released to them now. John clumsily attempts to communicate with them, telling them to lower their pointy sticks. Sam advises John to back off, uh, but as soon as he puts his hand on Ayo's shoulder, she knocks him back into the spear embedded in the column behind him. Uh, an epic fight breaks out, and Zemo uses this opportunity to escape, pulling an El Chapo, as Sam calls it, through an escape hatch in the bathroom. Sam and Bucky attempt to intervene, uh, and Ayo uses some type of gesture command to remove Bucky's arm. Uh, after another embarrassing defeat, John is left sitting on the floor, mortified, uh, as he says, they weren't even super soldiers. Sam and Bucky discover that Zemo escaped and immediately leave to find him. So guys, what did you think of this incredible showing of the fighting styles of the Dora Milaje? And where do you think Zemo went? I want a Dora Milaje series. That's what I want. It's on, It's in the works, Monroe. It's. I'm pretty it, sure, or at least a Wakanda is series is in the works. Yes. They're epic yeah. as hell <laughs> when so they cool. went through i was like whoa it was at, like i just they terrify me yeah and just like also just it's just like i'm like wow like, it, it, it you're like in awe of them yeah i think the the fight sequence was great like that moment with john walker like you know you just played two back-to-back moments where walker's feeling defeat and i think he's he's seeing that he's not cut out to be in this this hero business he feels at a disadvantage more so, right? That was there was a pretty like that was probably the most telling moment for John Walker when he he just says they're not even super soldiers, right? So yeah, I mean you see him try to pick a fight with Sam, and you you notice like clearly he's not picking a fight with Bucky because he knows he'll lose against Bucky. So he's like, well, at least I'll pick a fight with somebody who I think I can actually take. And then to be defeated by these 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 women that are absolutely badass and amazing, but you know you see how he sort of downplays them. You know what I mean? This kind of, he kind of he kind of is like put down your pointy sticks like we're America, like you're not America. And I love that line, right? The Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje well, find themselves. They're to not be. even in the so good. They're not even in the United States. So they don't have jurisdiction to be there. <laughs> That's true. That's technically true. So it's like none of them. But I I mean Monroe to your point about the the fighting like I love the way they traded spears mid-flight. Um and it just shows how much more effective, you know, teamwork can be against you know whatever sam bucky john and lamar were trying to do in that moment um but guys like uh let's just quickly touch upon that moment when ao removes sam's arm you know almost i i read that as in like a way it's like we gave you your freedom and we can take it back you know what i mean did you guys get that or how did you guys feel about that that it was scene, it that was 100 percent a reminder for bucky to understand who helped him who gave him right. you know that arm freed him like it, it remember where you came from. exactly remember yeah. remember yeah. who helped you right like remember yeah. your place kind of thing so that was the intent of that moment not necessarily to literally disarm him even though that's kind of funny they disarmed him um <laughs> so you know what i mean like it's it's kind yeah. of it's kind of funny add the drums yeah. <laughs> add the drums <laughs> Very cool. Uh, well, guys, let's get locked back into this plot here. We get back to see John and Lamar sort of licking their wounds in a, in a local market uh, where they enjoy some tea. Maybe it's some more of that, that tea that Zemo was having earlier. Um, they're discussing the, the hypothetical scenario of taking the super soldier serum. Uh, Lamar, Lamar says, hells yeah, he would, he would take it. Uh, while John asks him if he'd be worried as to how it would change him. 
Lamar responds by telling him power just makes a person more themselves. There you go. Comparing Carly and Steve Rogers, right? Uh, Lamar reminds John about his success in Afghanistan, and John recalls his three medals of honor and how they remind him of the worst day of his life. Lamar then tells John to imagine just how many lives they could have saved if they had that serum. And John <laughs> responds with, I know. So, guys, I want your opinions on this. Do you think John had already taken the serum at that time and he was just looking for Lamar's approval? Or do you think he was still thinking it over? I think he took it. He totally took it, right? Yeah. He took it beforehand. Yeah, he took it beforehand because he, he, he already made that decision when he picked it up that he was going to yeah. be taking it. It was just a matter of, you know, having his best friend sort of confirm what he was already feeling, right? Like validate what he did. Yeah, that's literally yeah. the the word I was going to use. Because mm-hmm. he's he's looking for validation, yeah. but he's just saying it in a statement. He's not asking permission. He's he's taking and asking questions later. You are and amplify it. And essentially, the vial is power. You know, that's the superhero. That's power. That's why I brought it up before, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think the other call out for the scene though too is is the discussion of power, as you you already brought up, like as as it being like. You know, having this overarching theme over this, I think, this series about, you know, what power looks like and who has it and, you know, what what access do they have to that? Um, we have seen that that John doesn't have power and he is defeated. And I think that what's, what's interesting is that you get such a real moment out of John where he doesn't seem fake and, and I'm trying to be Captain America, right? Um, and, and that gives a callback to, like, last episode that really really light scene where he gets spit on by that that uh, person that's withholding information. By Rudy. Yeah. yeah. And I think that scene was supposed to be more impactful than it actually was because I think that's where you start, you're supposed to see the first instant that no one respects him and it bothers him. No one respects yeah. him, even though he has the shield and that he's Captain America. He's not going to matter. He doesn't matter. He do- No one cares about who he is because there's only one Cap. And I think that's what you're seeing as you evolve. And the reason why he picked up that vial is that he knows that he's so lacking in being what is Captain America that the answer is this power vial, right? Is this Is this super soldier formula that can set the difference. I do also find it's interesting how they see Carly on the opposite side of the spectrum than Steve, right? Like it's very militaristic for them to just say, well, Carly's all the way over here and Steve's all the way over here. Um, and, and But we, you know, we have this show showing us that Bucky is the middle ground. You know what I mean? Like I love, I just love how self-referential the dialogue is in the show and it's, it's just such good writing the way they do it. But uh, there's just a lot of symbolism around why Steve Rogers was Captain America. Like if you remember with Stanley Tucci, the the who plays the 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 scientist who developed the Erskine. serum, yeah, Erskine, yeah. he says to him, you know, good becomes great, bad becomes evil, right? Yeah, and and it's a reminder that crazy is going to become insane when they take the <laughs> yeah. serum, right? So yeah. so it, it and and the reality is is that Steve Rogers had nothing. He didn't go to war. He was actually he was he, he they wouldn't let him. Because he, he was so unhealthy or he was just he just was underdeveloped rather. He was under underdeveloped mm. and he could not oh, yeah. go. So the super soldier formula enhanced all of his abilities and allowed him to be a soldier so that he could go to war. So he didn't have wow. the loss of people as being a, a human, right? So there's there's a there's a difference there. Like there's there's people that would argue that Captain America didn't really see what war really was, right? Until he actually right. went and was was Captain America, but he was a super soldier. 
I love that. I love that idea, though, that 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 the trauma is what's kind of causing them because we talk about these shows and how they're how they're showing these characters deal with their trauma, right? With WandaVision and how she deals with it and Bucky and how he, he deals with it. And now seeing the trauma and how it's affecting John Walker in his transition to becoming a super 100%, soldier. 100%, yeah. To be America's ass. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, John is definitely not. Have you seen that guy's ass? No, it's definitely not. No, America's no, no. Oh, he's America's no. ass for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, yo, that was, yeah. he's, he Just is. adding a new layer to it. Yeah. You are yeah. America's ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. If they, if that's a line that comes up somehow, probably not. Imagine it's the first thing that Sam says in the next episode. Anyways, uh, <laughs> guys, we get back to see Sarah on the dock uh, as she receives a phone call from Carly threatening to kill her brother, claiming she thought she could trust him until she found out he was working for the new Captain America. Sarah responds by telling her she didn't choose him and that her world doesn't matter to America. So why would she care about its mascot? Carly tells Sarah she reminds her of herself and gives her the coordinates to pass along to Sam as to her whereabouts. She threatens Sarah and her entire family. Sarah calls Sam to let him know, and Bucky and him immediately stop looking to Zemo, at least that's what I assume they were doing, uh, to confront Carly. Carly uh, claims she would never actually hurt Sarah or Sam's family, saying that if she was to kill Sam, it would be meaningless. She offers to have Sam join her or let her go. Sharon, who's, by the way, always watching, uh, she messages Sam over like a radio system uh, and she lets him know that the new cap is on the move, moving in on their location. Carly overhears this and begins to run, tackling Bucky into the ground. During the chase, we see Lamar captured by the Flag Smashers and Sam witnesses John throw his shield into a concrete wall and bend a thick pipe uh, while taking out Dovich. Sam asks John, what did you do? They, uh, they proceed into the next room into a huge fight, and just as Carly is about to stab John, she is stopped by Lamar, who tackles her away. She responds by punching Lamar across the room, right into a column, ending his life. John runs over to him, and he realizes that his best friend is dead. Everyone else around, you know, runs out of the room as the show goes silent. John busts through the window onto a van and sees Nico running away. He throws his shield into Nico's back, forcing him onto the ground where he pins him down, lifts his shield in the air with two hands and proceeds to slam it over and over again into Nico's chest, killing him in front of a huge crowd of people, all filming him on their phones. He stands up and as we see a low angle hero shot of John holding the shield, we see that it's covered in blood. Wow. Um, Jeez. I'm getting chills just even though I just, I'm the one that read it. I still got chills from that. Uh, Guys, what do you think of this final sequence and the final shot of Captain America covered in probably the most blood that we've ever seen in the MCU? I love that the Marvel, that Marvel is going like straight to the boys and like Umbrella Academy. (laughs) Like they're going that dark, genre Mm. root which is like so popular right now and i think that's where marvel needed to go a little bit you saw it with how thriller and like psychological thriller was in wandavision and Mm -hmm. i was like waiting for that moment i was like okay but when is it gonna bridge when are we gonna take that next step yeah and we're here and now i'm in it's been funny it's had some really incredible uh dramatic moments especially with the super soldier that was never that went to jail 
um, that with Sam, that was such a heavy, Isaiah heavy scene. Bradley. With yeah. Isaiah Bradley. That yeah. scene was my favorite scene of the entire series yeah. until yeah, the yeah. Black Sheep one, which I think they rival, but I don't know why the Black Sheep one is up for me. I thought it was just really <laughs> creepy. But I yeah. was like, here we go. Now mm-hmm. we're reaching a new level into Marvel. Now we're we're stepping out of Disney a little bit. We're going to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought like, it was wonderful. And also... A lot of knives. Good, good for the knives. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good knife episode. What's with all the knives? What's, no yeah. good, no good, good. Yeah. Show me more knives. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The the moment with Bucky and he does that that knife flip thing that he does. You know, he's done before, and then he throws it like right down next to that guy's head. I was like, that was such a that was so cool. If but there's not like, eighteen va- knives in an episode, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> for sure. Um. Yeah. I think. Uh, Obviously, like to Monroe's point, the, the the final frame reminded me of something straight out of the boys, um, where he's yeah. just standing there with the shield. And again, they didn't need to show the intensity of like the shield piercing his head like a Tarantino or like a boys, if you right. will. Yeah. But the the visual was enough to really again, as I as I referenced before, to see that he's gone from crazy to insane after taking the super soldier formula and you know the the foreshadowing of nico saying that he looked up to the shield and he looked up to captain america and only to look up to captain america kill him uh, i think is absolutely beautiful it's such a like an amazing poetically well-written moment uh to 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 ingrain that he looked up to it and he literally looked up to it as he died um so i love that um yeah bulk of the reason why i like this episode was was in the last of this 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 whole this whole scene um just to see literally john walker fly off the hinge like he is just flapping in the wind now as a crazy man and the world saw him yeah, don't the whole world the, is watching, right? Don't beat yeah. around the bush. You loved it because of the knives. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, was the, it was the knife. I will also say, though, that it is amazing that you called this, Nate. That oh, this, I totally The, the it, events bro. of what happened, like that the world would see uh, John Walker as Captain America kill someone and it would be yeah. all over the internet. Like that's literally what happened that's at what the I end said. of this. Yeah, absolutely. And even yeah, to the yeah. point of like where we were, we were jokingly discussing that Lamar's death would happen um you, yeah. you suggested that it would happen at the hands of john walker I, but i thought john was going to be the one that but did it's the it, thing but. it's the thing though that that turned him it's the thing yeah. that uh, like literally like broke the egg like if, well if, yeah if, because <laughs> well, it's just crazy because he he takes the he takes the super soldier serum and you know he, he it not only does it I, like i love it not only does it not help him defeat the flag smashers but he also isn't able to save his best friend. Yeah. Who think of if you think about this, if he had just shared that serum with Lamar, Lamar would have still been alive. Right. Like that that has to in that moment in his head, that's gotta be what's breaking but him. That's what that other moment when they were at the the little bistro talking yeah. only yeah. highlights more, right? Is that yeah. he wanted to be able to give that serum to the, the men and, and women that he died like that died that day that he won those three medals of honors for right. right and and if he could he would have saved them and he couldn't even save his best friend being that he was the one with the super soldier formula like it's just, it's just it, it, it was just it was like the perfect storm of events to really you know 
what was a lackluster episode of of John Walker in, in the previous here at least this was all about him and all about like his his sort of spiral his into yeah his yeah. descent his final yeah, descent it, it, it fast tracked I think it did yeah. fast track quite a bit I've I've heard some stuff on the internet of people sort of saying they wish they had a got like a full John Walker episode to kind of do this but I I think this was fine I think this this did a good job this of was it. a full John and, Walker episode though I, I mean to a certain degree yeah I think again the character balancing was better but I think. The moment that we see him break, right? And just how well done that was portrayed by by Wyatt Russell. Like, so, so well. And I love the way that they captured it, where they literally, like, you know how in, in, in movies, when a bomb is about to go off, all the characters are running away and everything goes silent because they know a bomb is about to go off. And, like, in this episode, you know, in this moment, the Flag Smashers are just running away. I don't think they're necessarily thinking a bomb is about to go off that is John Walker, and same with Sam and and Bucky. But they run away in that sort of same sort of way, and it's just just so cool to see it go off that way. I think it... It mirror it paralleled two things. I think it, yes, it it went to the bomb aspect of running away from a bomb. I think that's really good in the military aspect. I think it was emotional peak of seeing red, of seeing that incredible emotion right up here. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think I think that you know when you describe those moments as a bomb, I think what it is is that you know an event happens that's so severe to either a character or to a moment that all the air and the sound just gets sucked out of it, so that the viewer really gets to sit and resonate with what just happened. You're not bombarding the viewer with with sound effects and ambient noise and the music and the score. It just sucks everything out. You're left with just the raw visuals of, of seeing the character interact with whatever's happened. And I think that's what they did really well is they they, they highlighted that moment for, for John Walker where he snapped, where it snapped for him and he was like, okay, gloves off. I am going to tear these people down. Mm-hmm. He had no remorse in his eyes or in his position when he stood up after he slammed the shield into his into the guy's chest. Right. He had yeah. he did not care. Didn't matter if the, the cameras were on him. It didn't matter. And that was such a cool switch where other people have killed other people. This man, like you just said, from crazy to insanity, he's <laughs> dialed in. Yeah. And like when he came to and he realized all these phones were on him, I thought we were going to get a moment where he was just kind of like shocked at like what he did. But he didn't. He had no, no remorse. He embraced no. it. No, totally. And 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 like I just need to give a, a quick shout out to to Disney. I'm gonna make a really dumb comparison here, okay? But have you guys ever played racing video games? Like video games where you drive really high powered cars. Yeah, Fast and, and Furious, of course. Well, listen, in most <laughs> in most car games, like in a lot of car games, um, a lot of the times if they've got licensed vehicles, they're not allowed to be damaged. So you'll bump the car, like you'll you'll slam the car into a, a, the side of the road or whatever into a into a building, and it won't be damaged at all. A lot of a lot of games do this, and I just thought like to see Captain America's shield, to see Captain America. Granted, we know it's John Walker, but to see that imagery covered in blood, yeah, that's like was, that to me was just so was impressive. Point, though, right from Disney. No, I, I totally understand yeah. that, but you could you could see Disney still disney it in a way where they don't really show blood, 
right? They don't yeah. really sh- they don't really raise the impact. Yeah. So to me though, that just tells me that they are okay with going darker with this. They're okay with taking Marvel and saying, listen, this audience has grown up. These are adults that we're catering to. Right. But like to your point, they Disneyed it in the right way to still set the precedence of how dark and twisted it is to see this image of Captain America's shield covered yeah. in, in the blood of, of someone else. Especially someone who was such a fan as a little kid Again, Captain it was America. so poetic. It was absolutely Jeez. like the only purpose that Nico served was for his death. Yeah, that's it's it. True. Like because that's yeah. all that's all he was. And again, we were talking about Dovich and how he would kind of be this voice of reason for for Carly. And in this moment, we see Nico. What well, was only for him to die in this moment yeah. at at the hands of the shield that he looked up to. Like it's it was actually really smart. Like to, like that was I was like beautiful. Jeez. <laughs> But like you said, I, you're right on the money how poetic it was of the the character that really held it, its exact purpose, which is probably just symbolism of the previous audience. Um, it was wonderful. It was and it, it was just so stoic. Like, I think it's you're going to see a lot of uh, artwork done on that shot. Yeah. On that. Yeah. Final yeah. Oh, shot. yeah. It's, There's it been was so that, many people had that much weight. Yeah, Jeez. yeah, and you're right though. Like the symbolism of of his character, and, and also just the symbolism of seeing Captain America, if Nico was to symbolize what was left of the appreciation for Steve Rogers as Captain America, he kills that. He kills that in that moment with the shield. Wow. So it's it's almost like it, there's another layer of of sort of you know, a read into into, you know, what happens there. It's 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 very interesting. I I think they did a great job with it. If you also want to peel back Shrek's onion even a little more <laughs> you even yeah. have themes of celebrity don't meet your hero. There's themes of mm. I want to be recognized and validated so much that I could do something so bad, but the audience is like I'm still in the show. I'm still like it's it's perfect. And again, talking about power. He has all the power. He has the strength. He has all of it. But that celebrity of you see it so much in social media. You see it so much in 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 TMZ and all that crap. It's interesting. Yo, you got to riff. I got to riff on this really quick because the first time that we see him as Captain America is in an interview in front of a large people, a large group of people at his high school where he's putting on a persona, yes. a, a model, an image of a celebrityism, if you will, to Captain America. And then now we see the world has now seen him just murder someone, you know, in cold, like it just like take them down with his shield. Like it is that that sort of that reality of what happens in celebrity culture where, you know, you perceived one way, but your actions get recorded and seen. Therefore, that's who you really become. That's who you really become. I think what Marvel did how brave they were to do what the boys did, which yeah. is to stab at the toxicity of fame and celebrity and yeah, what yeah. that can represent and yes. what that can do for a person yeah. is wonderful. Start that conversation because there's so much of that that's not talked about because it's just these these gods, as the boys put yeah. it, these gods and these superheroes, as Marvel puts it, let's discuss it and let's yeah. see what this kind of power yeah. can do. Yeah, and Especially bringing Zemo in. Right, yeah. it, it, that's his. That's his whole point. That's Zemo's whole point yes, of the Avengers. Yes. Starts yeah. conversation. Yeah, because yeah. you're right. You're like again, Nate. You kind of called it 
I think towards the beginning too is that you know if they incorporated a boy's element to this where you call into question you know what is perceived as a hero and the reality of a hero I think that's what we got in this in this this moment is the reality of John Walker versus where we saw him in episode two that is the fake persona of what he wants Captain America to be perceived as so it's really interesting it's it they've they've to to what we're discussing here they've they've opened the door for a lot of new elements to kind of play in this iconography of of heroes and superheroes well speaking of having those elements play we are going to go ahead and kind of get to the the end of our our watch club here where we're, we're going to kind of give our thoughts on what's going to happen next but um guys before we do uh I want to hear your final thoughts on the episode as well as your final score, uh, which we're going to be ranking this uh, on a scale of one to five pieces of Turkish delight. Monroe, let's start with yourself. I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. I, l- I was waiting for the bridge episode. I was waiting for the impact one. And here it is. We got it. Um, I think, you know, some people are going to say, well, some some moments were a little, you know, they dragged a little bit or they're just kind of still. I think they were so important for the for the story arc. I think they were so important for the character development and it, it propelled us forward. And I, I it got me excited for the next one. And I think that's that was something that kind of lacked in some of the in some of the previous episodes, even though I thought they were great. Um, so I'm going to give this. 4.5 out of 5 Turkish delights. <laughs> Turkish Fantastic. delights. I love it. Fantastic. Yeah, amazing. Cool. Justin. Uh, you know, like uh, for me the, the the best part of this episode is the ending. Um like I I absolutely loved it and I I, I just feel like there was a lot that fast tracks to to John Walker being insane and and I don't think like I think we saw more of those moments in this episode and uh, than we did in 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 the previous episode, which I, again I think goes back to what you were saying, Nate, about the character balance and 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 whatnot. Like you know, we only had that one moment at the beginning when he's interrogating uh, Rudy and and he gets spit on, and I think that's supposed to be the first moment we see him kind of realize that no one respects him as as Captain America and uh, having the shield. Um, that being said, uh, the episode had a lot of dialogue and 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 was interesting for each character. Seeing you know Wakanda, uh, the moments with Bucky as well. Um, that was really great. Dormalaji with making an appearance was fantastic, but I think I'd I'd give this probably the same that I gave last week's, which was a three point nine wow. uh, out of out of five uh, Turkish delights. Feel like that last little bit was was really my my most favorite part of this this episode. Um, so yeah, three point nine. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, overall, you know. We've been talking about it, and you guys kind of touched upon it there. Overall, this this episode had fantastic character development. Uh, and while it was slow at times, I thought it made really smart choices in the way that it pushed the story forward. It corrected a lot of the issues that I had with last week's episode uh, in that I found that it did balance the focus for different characters much better. Uh, and I felt like we got you know to see great moments from everyone in the cast. Um, I found that there was a little bit too much backtracking back to Zemo's safe house where I feel like they could have condensed those scenes together. Like they could have maybe put some of those moments together or at least or at least have them take place, uh, you know, in different places throughout the episode, like different locales throughout the episode. Um, but other than that, like, Justin, to your point, the third act of this episode was so well done. The visual imagery that's portrayed in that final shot is still stuck in my head days after seeing it, and it's going to be stuck in my head for for long, you know, 
for long to come or whatever I'm going to say there. Um, it's it's <laughs> uh, for for a long time to come. Um, you know that alone is enough to bring the final score up for me. Uh, this episode gave me everything I wanted from this show with spy thriller, thriller themes, uh, military combat, and psychological character explorations that go darker than we've ever seen before in the MCU. For me, this was the best episode so far, but I still can't say it was perfect. Again, just due to the fact that they kept going back to that same room over and over and over again. So for this incredible episode, really? I'm going to give it four and a half pieces of Turkish delight irresistible you, you didn't like their you didn't like his his home base there like i mean i'm a man of i'm a man of video games right and so for me anytime you've got to constantly but any sure yeah okay that animal crossing is a different thing i'm talking about like a narrative driven storyline single player video game the fact that like whenever you have to con- constantly backtrack over and over and over again there's that sort of feeling of of you know you're not necessarily moving forward uh, visually as much, I guess, even though you might still be moving forward uh, thematically and with the characters, right? But in WandaVision, they kept going back to the house. Touche. Yeah. Okay. Touche. All right. <laughs> All right, you guys. He's yeah, got you I, there. I, I, not, I, I, I think, I think you're, I, I, I love your point. Yeah. But that's not this story. Yeah, you have yeah. to judge the course you're playing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah, I think, yeah, I and I, I, I understand where you. I totally get what you mean, and I, and it, you can have any critique you want. That's the beauty of art. Yeah, yeah. it's subjective to your own point of view. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's just like when people say, "Oh, it's too much like an action show." It's like, no, yeah. you play the course you're on. You watch the course. You, yeah, you exactly. Just, it's this is this is the vibe. It's got it's got the bullet. It's got everything like that. But I get your point. You want to see you want to see it being moved. But again, that's what we're gonna get. I think in Loki. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And we'll definitely have to have you, Monroe, back on for Loki, no matter how much you uh, criticize my reviews. So, guys, uh, (laughs) let's keep moving on here. Uh, So, lastly on the show, we like to share our thoughts on what we might see in the next episode or where we might see the series going uh, in a segment we like to call What the Falcon is Gonna Happen. So, Monroe, I need to know, what the Falcon is gonna happen? I'm gonna piggyback on what you said earlier in this episode. So for <laughs> okay. me bashing your review, I'm going to amplify <laughs> your opinion. Um, Very good. Go I'm, for it. I'm totally on board with this dual personality Gollum Smeagol. Let's go. Yeah, right. Let's see two sides. I, I want to see him get, I want to see him get there. Like yeah. we, we, we saw him break the rhythm um, that he previously established. And I thought that yeah. was wonderful. Keep going. Show this side. And especially for, um, for why Russell to come out and say, you know, I've never played a, a character this dark. I, I think that's, I, I want to see him really go there. And I think that's going to be really fun for him. So I, so I, yeah. I don't know where it's going to go, but I, I kind of, I want to piggyback on that, 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 that little thing you said. So like, yeah. Oh, I like, I just, I like the idea that the, you know, secret agent, who's the character that he, he becomes in the comics. I just like the idea that secret agent is kind of like his dark passenger, right? That's his, that's his, his dark side, right? That's the, that's the side of him that he, he kind of talks to and he tries to, he tries to be good throughout all of it. But I just love the parallel between him and, and like Bucky, for instance, where, Bucky is furthering and like furthering himself further and further from the Winter Soldier, and John is kind of becoming trapped 
in Secret Agent more and more and more, and that starts to drive him. Um, hmm. I don't know. I just love that. I love that idea. Um, I still think I should write for Marvel after our fake or real episode <laughs> from the previous week. Uh, Justin, what were your overall thoughts on the? Uh, or sorry, what is your Justin? What the Falcon is going to happen? That's what I want to know, Justin. <laughs> I, I I honestly like. I'll, I want to stick with just um, um, John Walker for a sec here, and sure. I, and it's going to be interesting to see because I I wonder if he's going to be kind of disowned by America, like after oh, what happened, and yeah. if they they strip him of the mantle and like he has to go seek refuge in Madripoor and yeah. becomes working with the power broker, like I, that that would be really interesting. Um, power broker i think it'd be interesting if the power broker is is someone that uh we don't suspect like i i hope it's not actually sharon carter um i hope it is the fact mm. that she is working for him but she doesn't mm. she doesn't uh we don't know who it is like maybe she is his second in command like she he trusts her or or she trusts her whoever it could be but i thought it'd be cool if it was the kingpin bring in vincent d'onofrio Oh wow! As uh, as uh, as that, I thought that would be I interesting. Would love I, that. I saw I saw someone write a theory about it, imagine it was that, and I was like, that would be that would be a pretty cool take of of just how maybe to merge that in there. Hmm. What the Falcon, Nate? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what the Falcon, bro. Get off my Falcon back about that. Uh, <laughs> I've been hearing some rumors that in the next episode we're gonna get the longest episode so far, uh, and that we might also get a big cameo now. Listen, guys, I don't want to Mephisto things, okay? And I don't want to overhype things because we, we know how that all turned out with, like, Doctor Strange and WandaVision and stuff like that. But I think, uh, and I said this on last week's episode, but I think we're going to see the Mandarin, not the fake one portrayed by Ben Kingsley. I think we're going to see Tony Leung Chu Wai, I believe his name is, uh, that version from the upcoming Shang-Chi movie um, because... Uh, there was a website that Marvel put out recently that was supposed to be like a travel website for Madripoor. And on it, there were references to the Ten Rings and even mutants. And then those elements were pulled off the website. So I think maybe that might have gone up like a week too early by mistake. I don't know. I don't know. But guys, regardless, I am so excited to see what happens next. Now, Monroe, before we get into the normal sign-off, uh, if you have anything you'd like to share with our listeners so they can keep up on you know, supporting you, your incredible talent, and all of the wonderful projects that you're involved in, uh, Monroe, the floor is yours. First off, thank you for saying that. Uh, number two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm very, very excited to say that a film that I did... I think it was now two years ago. Uh, after everything has been going on, it's finally being released. Uh, it's done nice. a festival run. It's called Taking the Fall. Uh, it's directed by Josh Marble. Uh, it's written by Steve Hellman. And it's a seven-person ensemble. Um, it's very, very... Uh, it's been getting a lot of big chill uh, comparisons. It, and oh, just, cool. just its vibe. It's, a, it's, a, it's about a, a young man named... Tyler Richards, who returns from a six-year prison sentence, and he gets a surprise party from his former college uh, college friends, and it's uh, it was written basically as a statement piece to m millennial culture, and uh, the pressure of it, or sometimes lack thereof, and just kind of counting your blessings and and understanding your position, and it's uh, it was a really really f uh, it was a fun fun film to make. We we did it in 
eight days, which is unheard of. Um, wow. We grind what? it through it. Really? And, um, it, wow. it, it just, you know, I, I believe it's an achievement given all the restrictions we had and, and the hurdles we had to jump through. And it was a really a committed group effort. And, you know, it, you feel that in the ensemble. Um, so I'm really proud of it. Um, we're all happy to see it. It's going to be on Amazon and Apple TV. It's out right now. Oh, nice. Um, you can buy and rent it and you can also just watch it digitally. Um, so go watch that. Um, in the coming months, I've got a couple other things I'll be discussing or posting on social media, which are um, pretty exciting for myself. I'm excited to put them out there. But right now, Taking the Fall um, is out there right now. And it's it, it really, just like we did today, it starts conversation. And I think that's important in these times. Dope. Very cool, man. Yeah, I, I caught the trailer for Taking the Fall and it looks... It looks fantastic. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to catching that on, on Amazon Prime. And the fact that you said it was, you did it in eight days is mind blowing because I you can't like it doesn't look like that was the case. Like it looks like it it was it was done over a quite a quite a period of time just with the the quality that I'm seeing here. Yeah, that's well, that's a testament to our DOP, Chris. Um, yeah, you know he was uh he was incredible, and it, you know it's you it's hard to do films in general. And yeah. so when you have those kind of restrictions, the best thing is just to be committed and to, and to give your all. And you, we all had to, but it was, it was, it was a joy. Uh, and it, at, in eight days, it shouldn't be, <laughs> it should be strenuous right. and should be hard, yeah. but yeah. it was an absolute joy. And I made some really great friends out of it. And, um, we had a lot of fun and I just hope that, uh, that kind of camaraderie and collaboration and the fun we had, it translates to the viewer and you feel what we put out there. So it was fun. That is awesome. Very cool. Well, guys, we'll have links to that on uh, in terms of on Apple uh, iTunes as well as on Amazon Prime. Um, so, guys, check that out in the show notes below. And also, we'll we'll uh, we'll plug your social as well, Mano, your Twitter. Uh, we can throw that in there as well for people to follow you. Uh, you know, for your upcoming projects as well. And I, I'm certainly looking forward to many of the the uh, upcoming projects uh, as well. Um, cause I, I just love everything you do and I love, I love seeing in all your stuff and I'm still holding out. I, I'm, I'm like, when, when are we going to get the sequel to, uh, to, to turbo kid? I, I, can you, anything, anything you could say about that? Anything at all for our listeners? First off for all the listeners out there, I pay him very well to say those nice things. So, <laughs> you know, the e-transfer did get through. So I'm just, yeah, happy, I'm just happy to hear I just, that. I'm happy to hear I just accepted through. it. Yeah. I just accepted it. Thank you. Checked in bounce. Um, happy days. Um, yeah, no, um, Given these times, it's very hard to even For give sure. a definitive answer on that. I but the one thing I always say is that whenever I do get the chance to work with them again on any project, I will be jumping to do so. Cool. Very cool. And speaking of jumping, guys, you can jump your way through the Turbo Kid video game, uh, which I saw the trailer for, which I'm so stoked for. That's coming out uh, next year, is it? In 2022 or? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's coming out. It's it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited to to. I, I I just I love the vibe. I think it's really yeah. I think it's really really fun. Yeah, like a retro side scroller. I heard rumors about it, and I didn't yeah. know how uh, how far they're along there or what was going to happen. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's 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 in production. You know, they've they've released some trailers and some little bits in there. It's it's pretty fun. 
Very Sick. cool. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, that is it, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this week's blood-soaked episode of Watch Club. Uh, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. Uh, and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this episode or your predictions for the series in terms of what you think the Falcon is going to happen, uh, well, y- listen, you don't have to give us a bag full of Turkish Delight to get our email. <laughs> um, although I have heard that Justin is quite a fan of Turkish Delight. Yeah, I got a um, Justin... <laughs> You got a sweet tooth. Justin, can you let our listeners know uh, how they can write into the show? Yes, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Very cool. And uh, also, if you don't know, we have more than just Watch Club. We also have our regular episodes of the Geek Centric podcast with our latest episode out right now where Kevin is joined by Mike Hogan and David Portman as they share their favorite WrestleMania moments uh, and they look at the connection between wrestling and pop culture. So go give that a listen and feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I was just so happy to listen to a podcast that I wasn't uh, a part of and uh, and I still got to hear it. And if you want to hear the the <laughs> the who would win uh, in a wrestling match between all of the characters on Friends, please give a listen to that podcast because the way they describe it is so well done. <laughs> uh, very cool. Well, Justin Monroe, thank you so much for joining me for today's Watch Club. And as we say, on, on your, your left. left.